Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 11. Verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Hello, my name is Lars, and it's my privilege to do the talk today. And today we're going to focus on rest. Do you remember the last time when you felt really rested? Body, mind and soul? What did it feel like? What did it taste like? And how do you feel now? Well, some of us hopefully feel rested, but there would also be some of us who feel quite the opposite who would feel quite burdened by the time that we live in right now. Many of us are quite concerned about all the talk about a second spike, the chance of new restrictions and everything connected with that. Some of us are worried about our financial future. Some of us have been made redundant. Some of us are struggling with sickness in our bodies. Some of us feel isolated. We can't really go to church and we feel alone. Some of us feel fearful about social interactions and we are even fearful about uh, how to get by over just this next short period of time. And some of us are simply just suffering from fatigue. We experience this sense of physical fatigue or emotional fatigue of some kind simply because of all of the strain that we have been through over this last period of time. And in the midst of all of that, we have this invitation from Jesus. And he says to us, if that is how you feel, if this is your situation, then come to me and I will give you rest. Now, how do we come? And what is this rest that Jesus wants to give to us. And while we are at it, what on earth has this to do with our current preaching series on the kingdom of God? In this series, we are focusing on how this kingdom is being built, what kind of king Jesus is, and those sort of things. And then what has that got to do with rest? All of that sounds quite activistic, doesn't it? Well, as we shall see, Jesus served out of a position of complete rest. And basically, he is inviting us 
to do the very same thing. So behind the activities, behind of the building of the kingdom of God, there is rest. We become rest-driven. And the thing is, if we do not become rest-driven, it, it's probably not really the kingdom of God we are building because that is always something that will be built out of a position of deep rest. Now, this scripture that we have been listening to today is one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible, and a lot could be said about it. We will just focus on three things today, and hopefully they will help us. First of all, we're going to simplify. So we're going to look at these words in the most simple way we can, and probably that will give us the correct understanding and a correct way of receiving these words today. We are, however, also going to dive into some of the wordplay that we find in these words today and see how that can help us, help us in terms of understanding who we are, also the complexity that we carry with us and our potential challenge of receiving this invitation from Jesus. And then finally, we are going to look at the actual image Jesus is using. And we are asking ourselves, what kind of yoke is Jesus really talking about? And how on earth can I put that yoke upon myself? But let's start by simplifying. And Jesus alludes to the necessity of doing just this. He says in this verse that we have heard today that you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. So to grasp this, we need the mindset of a little child. And what better way of achieving that than by looking at a picture? So this is one of my happy summer holiday memories. I was on the roof of my holiday home and I brought with me my four-year-old grandson. And um, it is my wife taking the picture from Aladdin. Uh, I think she was quite nervous about the whole project, but uh, my grandson and I, we totally enjoyed this. Now, this would be kind of a traditional picture of how you could interpret this scripture that we have been listening to today. That we are working with Jesus and, of course, he's doing most of the heavy lifting and we are just doing our little bit. And we may be talking about a ratio of 98% to Jesus and then 2% work for us. Of course, if you ask my grandson, he would say that he really did most of the work. And he would say that it was really, really hard work. And he would also say that if it hadn't been for his superpowers and his ability to throw imaginary bombs, we would never get it done. Well, if you ask me, I would say that I could probably have done this much quicker if I didn't have to look after my grandson, taking care that he didn't go too close to the edges of the roof and that he didn't hurt himself with the broom. And if you ask me, this next image was what this was all about. This was us sitting together on the roof, having conversations about the potential pirates that would be attacking us in a very few moments and what we will be doing about that. Things like that, important things in the world of a four-year-old boy. For us, for me, 
That was really what this was about. Wilfred Stinnerson, who is a Belgian monk and author and philosopher and theologian, he has a quite refreshing interpretation of this passage. He says that it's really not about us doing our little bit and then God doing his bit. He says this is more about God doing everything and our bit is really to allow him to do just that. King Solomon of the Old Testament has put it like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Another interpretation puts it like this. It says that he gives all of this to those he loves while they are at sleep. The disciple Peter uh, writes about living our lives for God, and he does it in, with these words. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. In other words, this is all about God. This is all about Jesus. It's all about what he is doing. It's his strength. It's his initiative. And our bit is really to let go and to let God. It is to let him do his work. And it's us stopping doing our own work. This is really embedded in the Hebrew word for rest, which is Shabbat. And that word means to stop, to celebrate, and to be whole. To stop, to celebrate, to be whole. So rest is not just the opposite of activity. It's actually more about a state of being, to be whole. And if we are to interpret it, it actually means that we are stopping from doing our own thing to fix ourselves or to unburden ourselves. Instead, we are focusing on God and we are celebrating what he is doing in us and through us and around us. And whilst we are focusing on God, celebrating his work, we are finding ourselves. We are becoming whole. That is Shabbat. That is rest. Now, how can we be helped to enter this rest? Well, Jesus says, learn from me, for I am humble of heart. Now, this reveals to us that this is more than a, an experience of the moment. This is more a lifestyle. Jesus is inviting us into a way of living. We are learning from him. And as we're learning from him, we are coming to him. And as we're coming to him, we are increasingly experiencing his rest. It is an ongoing process in our lives. Now, that is quite important for us to realize. Some of us would actually have felt not encouraged, as you would expect by hearing the words read aloud at the beginning of this talk. 
Instead, on the inside, we felt a bit mm, or discouraged or even a sense of defeat or disappointment. Not all of us, of course, but some of us. And why is that? Well, sometimes it's simply because we we hear these words as a way of evaluating our own state of faith. So instead of rejoicing in the possibility of rest, we feel discouraged because we feel like, oh, I haven't achieved it. I don't have it, and therefore I'm not good at this. And it feels like a defeat. Well, as we read the New Testament, it becomes very clear that Jesus isn't too preoccupied with how far we are on the journey of faith. He is, however, really preoccupied with us being on the journey of faith. And let me just add to that, that just us being here, focusing on these words of Jesus together, means that we are on this journey of faith. I truly believe that. So please be encouraged. Please rejoice. This invitation is for you. And it's not a judgment on your faith life. Rather, it's an invitation to continue the journey of faith that you are on in this very moment. So what is Jesus inviting us to learn from him? Well, a lot, of course, because we are called to be followers of him. But let's just focus on this one thing today, that he says, I am humble of heart. And this word humble comes from the Greek humus, which means dirt. And this could, of course, mean nothing, or it could mean everything or something in between. I believe it means quite a lot in this context, because it points to the essence of who we are as human beings. We kind of get the drift in Genesis, this first book of the New Testament, where we see God giving us, mankind, the name Adam. And where does that name come from? Well, it actually comes from the way God chose to form Adam. It comes from the word Adama, which means out of dust. The Bible says that we were made from the dust of the dirt. So here we have the connection. And in the Old Testament and in the New Testament world, we know that there is a strong connection between the name given and the identity of the person that the name is given to. So here we have God given, giving us, you and me, mankind, the name Adam taken from Adamah, a story that indicates who we are, a story of our identity. We come from dust of the dirt. Well, that is a bit mind-blowing and maybe a bit surprising, isn't it? And why is it important? Why is it essential? Whenever was dust something that was useful for us? When did we last go to Sainsbury to buy a bag of dust? And who of us would own a t-shirt with the words dust forever? What on earth is that any good for? Well, it speaks about something which is extremely valuable for us to lean into. It speaks about us being as powerless as Adam was before God 
breathed his breath of life into this figure of dust. Without the breath of God, we are powerless. Without the life of God breathed into us, we have nothing to offer. We are just dust. Now, Jesus was humble of heart, humorous, remember? And that meant that he recognized and he accepted that when he took upon himself the form of human flesh, that was what he went into. This was what he became. Powerless in himself. Powerless without the breath of God. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes this abundantly clear. He says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now what is that? Well, that is the essence of rest. I'm leaning into God. And in doing so, it naturally becomes what he has formed, what he is doing, which is birthed out of me. So instead of being formed from the exterior, from expectations around me, I am being formed from within, from the essence of who I am, from what I was created to be. So instead of resisting powerlessness, which is why some of us really struggle with this verse that we are focusing on today. Instead of resisting powerlessness, I'm actually leaning into it. I am rather welcoming it because it paves the way for what God is doing in my life. Learn of me, says Jesus, for I am humble, humus of heart. This is the essence of life. And it's actually also the essence of ministry in the kingdom of God. The word used for servant in the New Testament, the Greek word is doulos. And doulos actually means through dust. So we don't serve through our power. We actually serve through our powerlessness, which makes way for the power of God. Desmond Tutu has a wonderful way of describing this. In his fascinating book, God is Not a Christian and Other Provocations, he writes about the concept of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu was basically the idea that we are all dependent on each other. It had this foundational idea that I am because I belong. And Ubuntu knitted people together whilst at the same time setting people free. It was carried by this thought that I can only be truly me if you are truly you. And Ubuntu meant that each individual human being is extremely valuable. No matter what gender, no matter what race, no matter what accomplishment or whatever you could think of, from birth Every human being is extremely valuable because it's created in the image of God. Now we can almost hear the music 
of the descriptions of the Hebrew word for rest, Shabbat, whilst we are listening to the words of Ubuntu. It's actually all about becoming whole, being whole before anything else. And that happens when we relate to God and when we relate to others in this very way. In myself, I am powerless. I need God. And I also need others to become whole, to be what I am meant to be. And in leaning into that, that is really where we find rest in this life. Now, some of us would still be a bit unsettled at this point. We may agree with most of the words that I have spoken until this point, but we are still a bit like, well, how? How on earth can I get hold of this? Basically, sometimes we simply need help to receive the help of God. And of course, Jesus is fully aware of this. And I believe that is why he's talking about this yoke. We need a yoke to connect with him like this. So what is that yoke? Well, some have said that that is the burden that we are carrying, but I don't really believe that. That doesn't seem to be what this image implies. The yoke was simply the tool to keep two animals together to enable them to pull a carriage, a plow, or something like this. In this context, I believe Jesus is talking about probably both carrying the burden of ministry of the kingdom of God, but certainly also carrying the burden of life as we experience it. So what is this yoke enabling us to connect with Jesus? Well, of course, there are a number of interpretations out there, but I believe that there is a good reason for the claim to say that this yoke is the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because he is the one who reveals identity to us. And this is very much about identity. Jesus makes that clear in the verse leading up to uh, kind of the words that we are focusing on today, where he talks about him knowing the Father and the Father knowing him. And Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as a big uh, a revelator of all of these things that has to do with identity. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about the upcoming outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he says it like this. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So he, the Holy Spirit, is the one who teaches us about who the Father is, who's, who Jesus is, who we are and how we are connected with one another. He is the great connector between Jesus and I. He's a yoke. And without him, there really is no connection. So how do we put on that yoke, the Holy Spirit? And I promise that's a final question for today. Well, number one, we do it by inviting him. Simply to pray the prayer the old ancient prayer, Holy Spirit, come. And, and in my experience, when I read, when I read or when I uh, say aloud this prayer publicly, 
often I only have to say the sentence once and then we kind of see the Holy Spirit at work. I have found in my personal life, I have to pray this prayer over and over again. It's actually a daily exercise. Is to wake up in the morning facing the day and simply almost do it as a sign. Holy Spirit, come. I really need you today. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe even in the lunch break, just to breathe in and breathe out. Breathe out. Holy Spirit, come. In the evening facing the night, Holy Spirit, come. It's a powerful prayer. And it's a prayer that we carry with us. So pray that prayer. I would strongly encourage you to do that. And number two, it's also to use the prayer language that the Holy Spirit gives to us, which the Bible talks about, the praying in tongues. And that is really the prayer of the powerless. Because it's a prayer that comes to our help when we have come to the end with our own words. And even when we have come to an end with our own concentration. I remember that in the, in the beginning of this whole COVID thing, I was so overwhelmed with the numbers of things to pray for, overwhelmed with my own emotions and thoughts and everything going on. So I was in lack of words. I even found it hard to concentrate. So I used this prayer language, speaking in tongues, probably more than ever before. It's a wonderful gift. And let me just say, if you haven't received that gift yet, um, pray with me as I pray at the end of this talk or simply just pray for yourself at home or find someone that you trust, that you have a sense would be good to pray with for this and then pray about this. I really strongly encourage you to do that. And if you have received this gift, maybe it's time to renew yourself in it to use it even more than you have done lately. And then just a the final advice. And that, that is uh, to use this prayer called the Jesus prayer or the prayer of breath, which is really a connecting prayer. And I have learned that the Holy Spirit seems to work in that prayer in quite a magnificent way. It's a prayer where when we breathe in, we say, Jesus Christ. And then when we breathe out, we simply say, have mercy on me. And of course, we say that on the inside. We don't say it out loud. Now, there is something about that prayer that simply does something to us. When we lean in our, in, into our own rhythm of breath and say these words, it is actually connecting us with Jesus Christ. He was the one breathing his life into us. He was the one giving us this breath and in a way, we return to where we came from. Dust, we are being powerless, but we're also returning to the breath given by God. Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. So we are breathing in Jesus. And as we are saying, have mercy on me, we are breathing out all the stuff that we need him to remove from our lives. It's a powerful prayer. I would encourage you, if, if you haven't used it before, to, to do it 10 minutes a day for two weeks. If you do that, the prayer will simply be embedded in you and it will be something really ready for the moment when you are under pressure or whatever happens and you will find yourself simply leaning into that prayer. It's a powerful thing. So just to sum this up, 
in living with him, we are learning who we are. And by learning who we are, we are becoming humble of hearts like Jesus was. And it is the humble heart, the person who realizes her own powerlessness that finds rest, rest in the fact that I can do nothing in my own strength, but I can do everything in his. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. And now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come upon each and every one who is longing for you, listening to these words today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come with the peace from heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come with this rest that only you can give. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come and knit us together with Jesus Christ in a stronger way than ever before. Holy Spirit, for those who long for you, I pray that you will come in a powerful way now. Holy Spirit, for those who long for the language of prayer, I pray that you will come upon them and that you will give them the first words of this language as I am praying in this very moment. Holy Spirit, for everyone who is now receiving these words, come, Holy Spirit, with everything that you are. We love you, we thank you, and we honor your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristChurchLondon.org.